channel open, welcome back to Weekly Trek, a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions podcast network and presented in partnership with TrekCore.com. I am your host, Alex Perry. What's today's date? The date. Today's show was recorded on January 29th, 2023, and is current through Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, so beware of spoilers. All right, let's get into the show. Good day, Voyager, and welcome to A Briefing with Neelix. It's a catchy title, isn't it? Weekly Trek is a regular news show covering the biggest stories from the Star Trek franchise. We are in a new golden age of Star Trek. There are five television shows in production, possibly more on the way, and enough merchandise to fill the Bajoran wormhole. So stick with me and I'll help you sort the real facts from lots of the Dominion propaganda that you'll find online. But I can't do this alone, and my guest this week is returning guest Chris Vanderkam. Chris, welcome back to Weekly Trek. Alex, thank you so much for having me back, especially this week. All right, Chris. Well, you know the drill. I want to know something that's got you excited about Star Trek at the moment. What's got you moving at Warp 10? Well, I mean, I know we're going to talk about this, but I am so pumped for Star Trek Picard in a couple weeks. I think it looks so good. Everything that we've seen looks so good. Next Generation was really like the first Trek I was exposed to. I was, of course, not around when the original series came out, but I was old enough to watch TNG when it was broadcasting originally. And so that and DS9 really like shaped, I think, my whole approach to the fandom. So getting this chance to indulge in nostalgia, it's a huge trip down memory lane for me to get to see what are all these people up to now. And so I'm I'm really excited for it. And everything we've seen looks so, so good. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we will get into what we have seen in tonight's trailer in a little bit but i mean from the moment that star trek picard season three was announced to go back it was not quite a year ago it was first contact day they announced the tng crew would be returning for star trek picard season three like i think everybody has sort of been like oh my god this was sort of this was kind of what we were hoping for deep down when Star Trek Picard itself was announced that, you know, this was not just going to be a vehicle for Jean-Luc Picard, that we were going to see the other TNG crew as well. And it sounds like, well, I mean, it doesn't sound like it is the case heading into Picard season three that we really are going to see him. And, you know, from everything that Terry Metalis has said about this sort of being a final TNG movie or, you know, a sort of a, a continuation of TNG. I think, you know, there's lots obviously to look forward to there in terms of what that could mean for the show itself. And, you know, I was thinking about this before we hopped on to do this. Uh, TNG is really fortunate in that their entire cast is intact. Yeah. I, I don't know if you if you were ever a Babylon 5 Yeah, or if you are a Babylon 5 fan. Yes, very sad. Yes, that so many of their original actors have passed on. Um, Straczynski's even talked about it, like the the project that's been in development hell is partially a reboot because so many of the original cast are are gone. Um, But but TNG is very lucky in that they're all still around and they're all still, more than that, they're all still able and willing and excited to come back. Yeah, it's good fortune for the TNG cast that that's the case. It's not even the case for all of the Berman era casts, right? Obviously, the Deep Space Nine cast has been hit with a couple of losses as well. That means that, you know, you couldn't kind of have a full cast reunion in the way that you can for TNG. And so, yeah, we're just really lucky in so many different ways. All right, well, let me tell you what I'm feeling good about Star Trek this week. And 
Honestly, it's the same thing, Star Trek Picard Season 3. And we're going to talk plenty about Season 3 in this episode, the great trailer that just dropped in the AFC Championship game uh, about 10 minutes ago as of the time of recording. But I'm going to use this section of the show just to sort of offer a mea culpa, which is, so as many of you will have seen, there is a lot of press reaction taking place online to Star Trek Card Season 3. Lots of people tweeting about having seen screeners for the first six episodes of the season and talking about, you know, sort of their reaction, right? Supposed to be non-spoiler reactions, I will say that. I don't think everybody is sort of super abided by that, at least. Like, they probably abided by the letter of the law, but maybe not by the spirit of the law. I think a few of the kind of tweet reactions have probably gone a little deeper than I personally would be comfortable with sharing. And so my mere culpa is that I'm also one of those people who have seen the episodes of Star Trek Picard and I thought about how that would then, I would approach doing this episode in which we're going to talk about the final trailer. And, you know, I considered sort of pretending that I hadn't and just kind of avoiding, you know, talking about any of the details from the season, which obviously I'm going to do anyway. I'm not going to talk about what I've seen. I think everybody sort of deserves the opportunity to see the season fresh. And so all of my comments in this episode are 100% just based off of what has been publicly released and what's in the trailers to date. But it didn't feel right for me not to potentially acknowledge that going into this conversation. But at the same time, I'm not going to do like a... I'm not going to tell you what I thought about season three of Picard. I think my reaction probably aligns pretty well with the majority of the reaction, but I think that I personally believe that everyone's entitled to form their own opinions and have a completely unspoiled experience. And so that's what I'm going to desperately try to do in recording this episode and in editing myself afterwards to make sure that to the extent that we're talking about this show, and obviously, Chris, you haven't seen it, so your reaction is 100% genuine and just based on what's there in the public, that mine is the same and that uh, we go into this kind of doing that. So just wanted to kind of lay that out there. My one comment about Star Trek Picard season three will be it's great and I think everybody is going to uh, really enjoy it and that's as much as I'm going to say about what I have seen all right well with that let's turn to the week's top stories there's a war going on and I'm a reporter well, the final Star Trek Picard Season 3 trailer debuted tonight during halftime between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs, providing us our last look at Star Trek Picard's third season before, well, we actually see the season beginning on Thursday, February the 16th. Picard Season 3's high-profile trailer release in the middle of one of the most watched football games of the year signals the studio's confidence that there will be widespread public interest in the return to the screen for the entire crew of Star Trek The Next Generation. And so, without further ado, the final trailer for Star Trek Picard Season 3. We fight or we die. Admiral on the bridge. And Captain on the bridge. You will probably find this inspection boring for the likes of you two. Boring? Well, we won't be blowing things up. Taking or engaging in fire crash landing expectedly or unexpectedly those were the days there is something coming battle stations some kind of attack and starfleet could be the target there's a darkness an all-consuming darkness 
And it is getting stronger. John Luke, trust no one. Jean Picard. We will have vengeance. You and I have traveled to the far reaches of space. Something's different now. This is the end, my friend. Jordy! Such pathetic old warriors. I too was once irrational, violent. Is anybody you know still the person you knew? or death. It's always life or death. John Luke, when has it not been? With each ticking moment, I will take another piece of you. Battle stations! Survival. It's human nature, pal. We fight or we die. Hold it! Got it! I need you, all of you. We're with you, always. Engage. Well, are you enjoying this? Of course not. Are you? In addition to the trailer, we also learned about two new characters this season. Ed Spielers, known for roles in Outlander and You, will appear as a currently unnamed series regular who aids Beverly Crusher's medical efforts on worlds Starfleet has forgotten, and Todd Stashwick, a favorite of Picard showrunner Terry Metalis, who was so good in 12 Monkeys, will also appear in a recurring role as captain of the USS Titan. Stashwick is taking his second tour of duty on Star Trek. He actually played a Romulan spy at the Vulcan High Command in the Season 4 Enterprise episode, Kiyashara. Chris, what was your reaction to the final trailer for Star Trek Picard Season 3? Well, I had to watch it twice. Of course! To let to let everything sink in, and, and I'm probably going to watch it a couple more times. You mentioned some of the reactions on Twitter were a bit perhaps more spoilery than you yourself would go to, and I was remembering one of them that I don't think is, is too spoilery, but it really rang in my head about how the emotional weight is spread across everyone. It's not one person's show, it's everybody's show. Like everybody gets their time in the sun. There there are stakes for everybody. And I really felt that from the trailer, getting to see the glimpses of, of all of our crew coming back. And there were some some moments that really intrigued me in the trailer and that have me kind of thinking about different ways that this could go. I am so delighted with Amanda Plummer's villain. Like, this looks just amazing and creepy. And, and every time we see them, it makes my skin crawl. <laughs> I love the way she says Picard's name. Captain yeah. Jean-Luc Picard. Right, like she's mocking the the pronunciation. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, if if we want to start getting into some of the things that I found intriguing, because I know like you've seen the you've seen some of the screeners. So one of the things that really caught my attention was one of Riker's lines towards the end. The the and I believe we saw this in the the teaser for the trailer 
the this is the end, my friend. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. But to me, that almost did not ring like a Riker line. It sounded a lot more like a Q line. And I don't there's probably nothing there, but it it seemed just the tone and the phrasing was a little it, it just didn't say Riker to me. And I, I found that really intriguing. The, one of the other things that I that caught my attention were the the glimpses that we saw of these younger faces that almost seemed to be childhood versions of some of the main characters. I think we saw somebody that looked like they might be a young Rafi. That was intriguing as well, especially given the line about every tick of the clock, I'll take another piece of you away. So I wonder if we're going to get some some flashbacks, some uh some some childhood memories that was really interesting we got a little glimpse of a we hear Worf talking about how he too used to be irrational and that we we didn't get to see who he was speaking to or, or hear any any more of that conversation but that really felt like he might be talking to Rafi as she continues to to recover from the traumas that she's experienced that is a dynamic that I am all in for like Worf and Rafi together, I take shut up and take my money. I will watch that all day. Yeah, I think you know one of the things that Terry Metalis has talked about is he, he's kind of said this a few times in interviews. In fact, I think he even talks about it in the very next interview that we're about to talk about uh, in this episode. The way in which Star Trek Picard season three sort of sets up a next next generation mm-hmm. that it's a bit of a generational handoff, and I I think you are starting to see that in this trailer with some of these younger characters mm. like uh, you know we, we know from the casting announcements today right todd stashwick and ed spielers this is a show that is not just the seven main tng cast members i mean we've known that forever right it's also got jerry ryan it's also got michelle hurd and it now has these additional characters that we're just starting to get a look at and i think there's that that sort of piece about passing to the next next generation is one that we'll, we'll probably learn more about um as the show starts to get underway i'm here for it whether yeah whether whether it's something with younger versions of themselves or whether it's the next next generation i i'm here for it it just i'm i'm so delighted that we we're being given this and it just looks so amazing yeah, I love all the action too. Like this really feels like a Star Trek adventure, yeah. right? We're in space. I think that was one of the things that I enjoyed season two. And I know a lot of people had some mixed feelings about it. Um, mm-hmm. And because for a lot of the season, we were in basically modern day LA. And I can understand the the criticism of that where it slowed down the show and it, and, and it wasn't necessarily, some of it felt like we were uncomfortably a little bit too close to just everyday life. But this feels like we are back in space, we're on ships, we're fighting weird people. And it again, it's such a trip down memory lane. I was really surprised, though, I think, that the trailer did not seem to drop any bombshells for us. I guess we'll just have to wait for another 18 days. Not like I'm counting, but I was kind of wondering if we were going to get like a bombshell character drop or something and it didn't really feel like we did. Yeah, to that I think I will say that I mean Terry has talked about, you know, like there being other legacy characters who do appear in Star Trek Picard season 3 and I I actually am 
pleased that the trailer did not offer any additional kind of you know announcements about characters or things that we might see it grounded our understanding of the show and the story and what has been released already rather than kind of expanding that out again in a big way i mean there was a sh- quick shot of moriarty there was a quick shot of law there's a quick shot of amanda Plummer. each of you know you sort of see each of the tng main cast but just because it was not in the trailer does not mean that there is not some very fun stuff coming. And I'm glad that everybody will be just as surprised by that when it arrives as I was. Yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to either approach. Like you 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 drop it in the trailer, everybody gets even more hyped up about it. But you've mentioned it, we know it's coming, but we we don't know until we see the show. There's benefits to both approaches. Yeah. I know I think you and I actually did an episode together where we were talking about theories for for those legacy characters. So we'll see. Who who do you who do you think? Oh, Bear in mind, man. I'm going to say nothing. Yeah, right. You're you're keeping your mouth shut. I, well, no, I'll, I'll say this. I, I gave my theory in the last episode as to who I thought was going to appear in Star Trek Picard Season 3. I gave four characters, Ro Laren, Reg Barkley, Kieran Arise, and Catherine Janeway. So who would be, who's on your list? Barkley was on my list. Because, you know, he's he's such an oddball. And and it would be kind of interesting to see what he's up to. And I think, you know, he kind of speaks to the spirit of Trek where even people who are different, who who think differently, who might be a little socially awkward, let's ignore some of the more cringe stuff from TNG and focus on on some of the positives that even they find and anyone finds a place in in Starfleet in the Star Trek universe. Everybody finds a home, everybody finds a family. So I, I think that would be a nice kind of nod to the those ideals of Star Trek if we if we got to see Barclay. And kind of the same thing with with Roe. I don't know about Janeway though. I feel like the focus on her is really prodigy at the moment. Kira is really intriguing. And and I hadn't really thought about the DS9 folks, but I I could totally see Kira showing up. I love Nana Visitor. She's such a delight to to see whenever she gets on the screen or in the recording booth, as we saw in Lower Decks. But yeah, I think Barkley was my my big theory. The other one that I think, I, I think this might be more of a of a fan wish list, but it would be lovely to see Denise Crosby come and take a turn as Scylla. Yeah, I guess they have said that she is not in it, but there is a Tasha Yar reference. Mm, all right. Well, we will see. Well, and of course, there... <laughs> She's not in it. We take that with a grain of salt, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. They said a bunch of characters aren't in things until they actually are. Until they actually are. Right. Like, go back to March of 2022 and ask all the TNG stars if they're going to be in Picard season three. And their answer would have been no. <laughs> right. It would have been no. And then it would have been Jonathan Frakes with his I signed an NDA yeah right (laughs) yeah it's a cool trailer and i'll talk a little bit about this later in the show but uh, you know it it should not be discounted the decision by paramount and cbs to debut the trailer at halftime of what probably will be the sort of second or third watched most football game of the year and football is still the biggest thing on television and so you know as much as it 
annoyed me because it means that I'm recording this episode at 8.30 on a Sunday rather than 8.30 on a Friday to try and prep it for an early week release. It is good for the franchise that they made the decision to do that. It's a hopeful sign for the studio's confidence in the production and for the studio's confidence in sort of, you know, the reaction to the content to take up very valuable real estate, right? Like two minutes of ad time in a game like this. Uh, which, you know, CBS is the broadcaster for. It's not Super Bowl prices, but it sure ain't cheap. So it really is, you know, a, an, an investment of confidence in the season itself to have made this determination at all and not just drop it on Thursday at two o'clock some random day. And to your point there, like, even though it's the AFC championship, you never know what kind of a quality game you're going to get. It could be like uh, like a few years ago, where the Eagles just stomped all over the Vikings <laughs> in the NFC. But, you know, tonight, it's actually, it's a, it's a good game. It's an interesting game. I was watching it before this. And um, despite the fact that it's probably only determining who is going to lose to the Eagles in the Super Bowl, <laughs> it's still a good game. And I think that they, their gamble is definitely paying off because the, the Bengals and the Chiefs, that's an interesting matchup, unlike some other matchups. So, yeah, I, I think... You're you're absolutely right that it speaks to their confidence in the show, in the season, and also just in the future of Trek. Like this is really this is CBS and Paramount's banner, right? Like they are heavily investing in Star Trek. There's five live shows. There's probably more on the way. Let's not talk about the fourth Kelvin movie, but <laughs> in in terms of what's on TV, it's very clear that the investment is there. Well, in addition to the trailer, Genre Magazine SFX also published a big spread this past week on Star Trek Picard Season 3. I encourage you to check out the whole magazine feature, as there's a lot more in it than we'll talk about in this episode, but SFX has widely released a few snippets of an interview with Terry Natalis that I thought were notable. Speaking about how Picard's third season compares with Star Trek The Next Generation, Natalis said, quote, it honors what came before, it honors the spirit of the characters, but also takes into account that it's been over 20 years since we'd last seen many of them. And he went on to say that quote, if you're looking to feel like these are ne the next-gen characters that you grew up with, you will see them everywhere. If you're looking for something a little new, well you get to catch up with them in unexpected ways as well. But you will get those next-gen feels back for sure, but it's the next step in the journey. It feels like a feature film, a final feature film. And speaking about the prospect of having a future in Star Trek beyond Picard Season 3, Metalis had this to say quote, I think there are ways of seeing these characters again in a kind of next next generation story. Not all these characters, I'm not going to say they all necessarily make it out safely of season three, but I will say that in science fiction there are always ways of seeing people again, so of course who wouldn't want to do this forever? This season is very much a passing of the torch to the next generation, so it really will be up to the fans to decide if they want to see more. Star Trek has always been up to the fans. The fans brought back the original series characters into feature films and conventions and kept it alive. It will have to be the same here, so we'll see. Chris, would you like to see more Star Trek set in the now 25th century? I think I would. As long as there are interesting stories to tell, I'm here for it. I think, you know, I, I trust Terry Metalis. He's obviously very invested in this. And I think just based on what he said and also some of the reactions that are coming out, I think that he has not treated this project lightly. I think he knows the legacy that he's 
working with the legacy of the characters, the cultural impact. And and I, it doesn't seem like he's treated that lightly. And I, I think that the, that we're going to see the result of that. So, yeah, I mean, it, this is an interesting era. And Picard's season one and, and a little bit of season two really touched on it, that this isn't quite the Starfleet that we've always seen. We've got to see a little bit more of the darker side of it, the politics, the the bureaucracy, the having to to make decisions where there are no good choices. And that to me is always interesting. I mean, I'm always here for the Trek problem of the week that can be solved in 45 minutes or less. But I think that what they've started doing with Picard, and we're seeing more of this on TV, there's a willingness to explore these deeper stories and world build. And I'm here for that. So if we're going to get to see if there's if there's stuff being planned where we get to see some more of that and what what does the world look like 20 years later, I'm here for it. Are there any characters that you would like to see beyond the the kind of TNG characters, right? If you if Terry Metalis came to you and said, Chris, I'm doing a 25th century show like Star Trek Picard that I could base around any legacy character from that era, is there anyone you would want to see? Oh Oh, God, I'm going to date myself. But Alexander Siddig was probably one of my first real crushes. <laughs> Good choice. And, I, oh, he's so delightful. I got to I got to meet him in, at Mission Chicago. He's so delightful. He's such a nice person. And did you and, pick up that crush? Is that early Bashir or is that later Bashir? Well, I, st- I started watching DS9 from the beginning. So I'm going to say it, it started like right at the start. Early okay, Bashir, so but... right here from On the Frontier where where legends are made or whatever that line was from Emissary. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like the, the, the <laughs> when you and when you look back at, back at it now, early Bashir is kind of cringe. But I kind of love to know what he's what he's up to these days, what kind of life he's made for himself. I'd love to see it, especially if Kalmini was willing to return and see if they've, if Bashir and O'Brien have kept up their friendship, if they've stayed in touch. I think O'Brien's another really interesting legacy character. Uh, we've we've gotten to see a bit of him in Lower Decks, you know, just the illusions, but both of them. I think DS9 is such a well of potential stories to tell that they haven't really touched on. I know we all got really excited when there was that, what was it, the tablet in the first, one of the first trailers for yes. Picard? Yeah. Yes, that, that we, ended up being nothing. Yeah, that we thought might be, oh, is Cisco <laughs> coming back? Are we are we doing something with the prophets? Um, and, and I was really excited about that because, again, there, I think that there's a lot of stories to tell there. Um, but to your point about legacy characters, I think I'd, I'd kind of like to know what Bashir and maybe O'Brien are up to. Buddy cop comedy. I'm here for it. <laughs> well, maybe it's just they now get together periodically just to like take vacations together to go into the holodeck and play kind of out weird simulations. And each episode is a new, different holodeck program that they put together for themselves. <laughs> Or something, yeah. I, but what about you? What what legacy character would you like to see come back? Ooh, I would really like to see one of the big Deep Space Nine characters. I would really like to see one of the big DS9 characters. Bashir would be great. Kira, as I mentioned, would be great. Dax would be great. Mm. Like, I just think, like, like, that is a part of the 
sort of current crop of productions and the universe that we haven't kind of seen fully explored or or fleshed out in a way where, like we do with Star Trek Voyager, like we do with Star Trek The Next Generation, for Deep Space Nine, we don't have that same level of like, all right, I have this really good sense of what happened to at least a portion of these characters after the end of, of the show itself. Right, like obviously for Voyager, there, there are characters we, right, where's Harry Kim at this point in the timeline? We don't know. We sort of know some of Chakotay's story, but not all of it, because we're only, you know, for him, it's it's up to the 2380s, not the 2400s. Where's Tom Paris at this point in time? Where's Blana Torres? We don't know. But obviously, we have a pretty good sense of Seven of Nine. We have a fairly good sense of Janeway. She was mentioned in Picard Season 2. So, like, yeah, I think for me, it's it's, I would really like to kind of go and see Deep Space Nine characters in a really big way. And maybe that'll be Star Trek Picard Season 3. They have talked about it being, Terry Metalis has talked about there being an element of continuation to Deep Space Nine in it. And that's just me saying something he's talked about and not anything that I have seen. But, right, like, I would want a little bit more than that, right? In the Sort of in the way that Picard is a sequel to The Next Generation, Prodigy is a sequel to Voyager, I would like X show to be a sequel to Deep Space Nine. You know, you bring up a really interesting point with Dax, right? Because there, the sky is the limit in terms of who is portraying Dax, what what has happened to them. I mean, a twenty year gap, as as we've seen, the the tenure of a host can be anything. So, yep, Nicole DeBoer could come back easily. Easily or not, if she was unavailable or or unwilling, you know, no problem. They they it's a new host, and the thriller is so interesting. And Dax is really, I think, getting all of the backstory about the Dax symbiont that we got in DS Nine. I think we were really invested in Dax as a character, not just Jadzia Dax, not just Ezri Dax, but Dax. So that that could be interesting, um, especially if we got to see another Jantara where we got to explore more about the early hosts. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be cool. I mean, I certainly think you could like I I would really like them to go in the direction that the books went, which was to sort of have Esri kind of realize that she was a Dax and that meant that she had a ton of experience and was actually really cool. And yes, Esri that we saw in Deep Space Nine season seven was very competent and smart, but like even more competent and smart and very quickly became a captain of a starship. And like, I'd be cool to run into Captain Esri Dax. That's what I'd really like. I'd I'd really like that kind of nod from the books to kind of sort of spill over into, into live action. That just made me smile. That that I, I agree with you. That would be pretty cool. Because it's then it's just like that's a really cool character arc, where, right? Like obviously there's big pieces of it you didn't see, but it's one that feels really satisfying. You know, in terms of you had this character who's very smart and capable and like confident in herself, knew what she was going for. You know, was clearly sort of on that like track to something really substantial in Jadzia. Obviously Jadzia dies and then Esri takes over who was sort of not prepared for joining, kind of started on the back foot, was more nervous, not as confident kind of in the being, you know, a join trill. And then kind of to then see that sort of accelerate forward to actually Esri ended up going further than anybody. That's just like, that. it's a cool idea to me. And it's one that I'd like to see. I, I you know, I'd love to see them make real. I absolutely agree. I think that with you bring, when you bring that up, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm there for that. And I, and I would just love 
more like this is my time right like you know it sounds like you and i are fairly similar ages our formative experiences were especially with star trek were on this era right the Mm -hmm. sort of next generation deep space nine voyager era and therefore like i'm never gonna say no to more of that especially in live action especially sort of you know seeing the way in which these characters lives have evolved and changed some some of which sometimes you know it's like oh i i wish that hadn't happened to that character right like picard season one discovering that you know the rikers had sort of had personal challenges that they had to kind of go through like that was hard to see but it was also important because it was you know sort of about the way in which people's lives change and don't always take the track that you think they will so like that's my era of star trek and i am eager to see more of it well, the same issue of SFX also featured an interview with William Riker actor and longtime Star Trek director Jonathan Frakes, who talked about Picard Season 3 and his upcoming work in the rest of the franchise. But rather than Picard, Frakes saved his most extended comments for the upcoming crossover between Star Trek Strange New Worlds and Star Trek Lower Decks, which he directed. Oh god, it's so good, Frakes said. I have Jack Quaid and Tawny Newsom, who are both amazing. It was such a treat for me because it is a flat-out comedy, full-on, and they're fearless over there. They take some really big swings on Strange New Worlds. They're animated at the beginning and at the end. It's a clever and simple product. It's not really Roger Rabbit because what happens is these guys come over and they're humans and you accept them as soon as they're on the Enterprise. God, the two of them have got great energy and it freed up the acting company on Strange New Worlds to play more broadly. Anson's a wonderful comedian, very dry, but so's Rebecca. It encouraged Ethan and everyone. There were just a lot of positives that came out of them having the guts to do a full-on comedy, let alone a crossover with an animated show. And in addition to talking about the upcoming animated live-action crossover, Frakes, who directed Star Trek First Contact and Star Trek Insurrection, also reflected a little on the future of Star Trek, indicating that he saw it more on television than in the movie theatre. Movies are tough, he said. Even J.J. Abrams can't get this fourth movie off the ground. All those wonderful rumours, Noah Hawley was attached to a Star Trek movie, and Quentin Tarantino was toying with people's emotions about doing a movie. If those two names can't get a effing movie made, I don't know. TV is the future, it's seems to me. Chris, are you looking forward to the crossover between Star Trek Strange New Worlds and Star Trek Lower Decks? I am. I would say that probably, and and you know, I never like to rank things because with five shows, right, there's something for everyone, no matter sure. what, what your dish of tea is. I, I'm going to say that probably Lower Decks is towards the bottom of my list, just not as much my flavor of entertainment but that being said i feel, still think it's it's incredibly well done there's some an amazing there's some amazing talent just the the zany comedy is not as much my personal flavor um but that being said i am excited for this um and and a lot of the excitement is coming from kind of what what jonathan frake said where it freed up the cast of Strange New Worlds to go comic. I love seeing Anson Mount do comedy. The episode uh, Elysian Kingdom, where he got to be the slimy uh, Chamberlain. <laughs> yeah. He was he was so clearly just having a blast with that role. But almost everything else that he's done is very serious. And so I'm looking forward to to seeing him get to get to bring out his comedy chops. I, I could see Ethan Peck having fun with it too. I mean, just it, I'm looking forward to to what they're going to do when they say full on comedy and they talk about big swings. Like, I, I'm excited for this. Yeah, a lot of what he said in this interview has kind of been said elsewhere, right? In the sense that it's not Roger Rabbit, Boimler and Mariner. 
become live action. Jack Quaid has talked about putting on purple hair. They talked about putting on the uniform, right? Like we 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 knew before they were going to appear in live action. We knew there was going to be an animated section of the episode and that there was going to be a live action section of the episode. And I think this has sort of like crystallized a little bit the structure, if not the content of the episode. But I think one of the interesting things here from the way that Frakes is talking about it and is sort of what you were just saying, Chris, which is like, this is a full-on comedy, right? Like, this is a comedy episode of Star Trek in the way that Lower Decks episodes are comedy episodes of Star Trek rather than a sort of quote-unquote typical Strange New Worlds episode that has a comedic couple of characters in it in the form of Mariner and Boimler. Like, it is going to be really fun and funny, I think, to see sort of like, oh, what would Anson Mount be like if he was on Lower Decks, right? Like, he might still be live action, we might not see animated Captain Pike, but it sounds to me like we're going to see a Lower Decks episode-esque version of live action Strange New Worlds, and like, that's cool. That's interesting. That's fun. I like that. You know, again, it's sort of this like taking big swings with the franchise and being experimental and trying new things. And I'm a big fan of that idea of having j- just kind of coming to the table and saying, yes, we're going to do a Lower Deck Strange New Worlds crossover. And yes, most of it is going to be set on the Enterprise and it's going to be live action and it's going to be Mariner and Boimler, but they're going to be live action versions played by Tony Newsom and Jack Wade. But it's going to be a full-on comedy. It's, you know, maybe it'll feel a little bit like an episode of Lower Decks in that way, but with a strangely worldsy kind of twist, right? Like, everything I hear about this episode just makes me more just so interested to see it. And I'll be really curious when the first trailer comes out for Strangely Worlds Season 2, which must be soon, I think. It's gotta be. It's gotta be, right? Now that we're actually getting to Picard Season 3, I think they're gonna have to start looking to what comes next, you know, in Mm. in the relatively near future, especially if Strangely Worlds is expected to follow on not far behind Picard Season 3, which I think is extremely likely. I'll be very curious to see if anything from the Lower Decks crossover episode makes it into the Strangely Worlds Season 2 trailer if they decide to kind of hold that back and make it more of a surprise yeah i think you're right i think we've got to get it soon because if they're if they're looking for that spring ish release slot that they did last year for season one time's ticking time's ticking and we don't we don't even have a confirmed release date yet we do not so so yeah we'll see but i think you know one of the things and 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 you sort of alluded to this with, with what you were saying i think one of my favorite things about strange new worlds and their whole their episodic format is that they really get to play with genres probably more more than any of the other shows do now and and this maybe this is kind of a a harken back to the berman era where things were more episodic where they've they've gotten to play with different flavors every week. We got we got horror, we got romance, we got we got epic space battle, you know, in the first season. Um and 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 I think that this is just one one more we get we get to play with genres. All right, well what haven't we done yet? Let's do a comedy. Let's do a let's do a flat out full on comedy. And that's that's one of the great things about Strange New Worlds is that every week we get something different. Yeah, it's really, really exciting. I'm very much looking forward to, you know, seeing it play out. And I could see where where some folks might be a little bit nervous about this, right? Because it it does 
it does feel like a big swing as Frakes acknowledges like that they're they're fearless over there at Strange New World <laughs> yeah, right. uh, and, and they take some big swings. But I will say that, you know, I can't think of a better person to take that big swing than Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and lastly this week, we have the sad news to share that actress Annie Wershing, whose first TV role was on Star Trek Enterprise in the episode Oasis, and unfortunately whose penultimate on-screen role was playing the Borg Queen in Star Trek Picard Season 2, has passed away today, this is Sunday, January the 29th, from cancer at the age of 45. In a message published online, it was revealed that Annie had been diagnosed with cancer in 2020 and had lived with it through the last two years, which would include both her time on Star Trek Picard and Convention of appearances that she made at Star Trek Mission Chicago and at the 56-year Mission Convention in Las Vegas last year. A GoFundMe has been set up to support Annie's family. It's already raised almost $100,000. She leaves behind a husband, Stephen, and three sons, Freddie, Ozzy, and Archer. You can find a link to the GoFundMe on Annie's Facebook page. It's also been shared by many of the cast and crew of Star Trek Picard. Our thoughts and prayers go out to all of Annie's family, friends, and anyone who knew her. Chris, were you a fan of the work of Annie Wershing? You know, the only thing I really seen her in was Star Trek Picard, but I think she absolutely nailed the Borg Queen. She, speaking of things that make my skin crawl, she was just perfect. And then, you know, you see her in real life and she is just this, this sweet, kind individual that's just, that was just bubbly and excited. And she was clearly thrilled to be part of the Star Trek family um, and to be, to be coming back to the Star Trek world in this Borg Queen role. Like, she owned it. Like, I know you were at Mission Chicago, too, and, and you got mm-hmm. to see her running around with that paper green crown yes. on her head. But she was just clearly having the having a ball. And I think knowing this now, it is absolutely clear that she was taking the maximum amount of joy in every single day that she had and, and treating every day as a gift and an opportunity for that joy. And I'm sad that that we will never we won't get to see any of her other work. Um, I forget the name of of the person, but there was someone that had worked with her many times that posted he was uh, trying to find her part in the boys. So one of the one of the the execs on the boys don't don't recall what his name was, but I've been watching the boys and I went, oh man, oh if they could have found a place for her. But uh, but I do have a story from Mission Chicago to share about, yes, please. about Annie. So one of the folks in my friend group that went to the convention brought this wearable Borg cube that she had <laughs> made. Um, and it, it's it's made kind of like like a mascot costume where you basically just put it over your head and there's holes for your arms and stuff. Yep. And it's, you just you can walk around wearing this cube. And we did a photo op with the Picard cast. And the look on Annie's face when Natasha showed up in that Borg cube and Natasha, my friend goes, hi, mom. (laughs) And she just lost it. Like she was just (laughs) over the moon, delighted that somebody would that that somebody did this, that she was wearing a Borg cube. It was and it was so sweet because she she asked us to hang out for just a second after the actual photo op so that her handler could take a picture for her. (laughs) That's great. I love that. Yeah. I also found out at Mission Chicago that uh, that Annie and I attended the same college. We both, oh, really? Yeah, we both went to Millican University uh, in the theater program. And I think she graduated the year before I started. So we never crossed over. But but that was an interesting little factoid that I learned at Mission Chicago. Oh, that's funny. Small world. It really it is. Um, especially Millican is is a 
about a 3000 person private college in the middle of nowhere in the Midwest. So very small world. That's a great story. I love that story. Uh, yeah. And then obviously this is a huge tragedy for Annie. I mean, she was only 45 years old. But in that time, she, you know, gave certainly us in the Star Trek world a lot to enjoy, right? It is notable that her first career appearance was in Star Trek with Oasis of Star Trek Enterprise. And then, you know, one of her almost very last pieces of work that she did was also Star Trek. She was a fabulous fabulous Borg Queen. I thought the Borg Queen performance was one of the absolute highlights of Star Trek Picard. Season 2 played so well with Alison Pill, was really menacing, like a real kind of continuation of the legacy of that character created by Alice Krieger and Susanna Thompson, but also kind of create making the role her own too, given that this was an alternate timeline, Borg Queen, you know, so it didn't have to be sort of an exacting recreation of that performance, and I think Annie definitely kind of put some of her own on it in a way that I thought was really interesting and worthy of the role. And I'm so pleased I also had the opportunity to meet her. I got a picture with her at uh, Las Vegas in the summer, and I'm really pleased that I was able to do that. And yeah, seeing her at Mission Chicago and then seeing her again in Las Vegas, she was really kind of enjoying that experience of being among the fans. And, you know, I'd imagine as an actor particularly if you're not doing the kind of big genre stuff a lot where you end up going to Comic-Con type things, that you probably don't get that level of like immediate fan reaction to the work that you do, right? It's not like there's a, you know, if you're like like 24, for example, right? She was in 24, was excellent in that too, but it's not like there were 24 conventions that you could go to, you know, to kind of meet the stars of 24, right? In the way that there are for Star Trek. And, and as a result, to kind of get that individualized attention from fans. And so I, I'm really glad that was something that she got to experience and that we got to kind of share that with her in the last year since Picard season two was on. And, and I'm really hoping that when Picard season three premieres, there is enough time for them to include a dedication to Annie in the first episode, given that she had such an important role for the series overall. Oh, agreed. And I think you make a really good point in the work that she took on as the Borg queen, because that's not an easy line to straddle. <laughs> where of Alice Krieg and Susan, Susan Thompson, those were great performances. I, I think Alice especially uh, just stands out as such an amazing performance. And you know, you have to know that your work is going to be compared to those who have gone before you. And straddling that line where the work is an acknowledgement and an homage to what has been done before, while at the same time making it your own. I, she she did it masterfully. Our thoughts and prayers are with Annie Wershing. All right, well, we've talked about the facts, and now let's speculate on what's going to happen in the future of Star Trek. You make some very good points, Captain. But it's still all speculation and theory. Each week, my guest and I give you a wish or theory we're nurturing about any of the shows or the future of the franchise. So, Chris, let's hear your theory or wish for this week. All right, well, there, there was another exciting thing that happened this week that uh, that I wanted to mention on the show. It's uh, the second issue of Illyrian Enigma dropped. Yes. And, you know, the more, and I, I, I won't spoil it for those who haven't, uh, haven't gotten to, to read it yet. But what I will say is that more and more, I don't understand how this is not the first episode of the second season <laughs> with the story that they are unfolding here. 
I don't understand how we we are not going to see this on screen. I don't understand how that's going to work. So so my theory is that that we are going to see it that this is sort of a preview of the first episode. Because, like I said, I, I, I can't understand how it can't be. Yeah, I will confess I have not read the Illyrian Enigma yet. But yeah, it is it is interesting, right? I mean, it's cool that they have this sort of... They have been really bad about getting tie-in material out at the time that it makes the most sense for it to be out, right? The setup novel to Star Trek Picard Season 2 came out six months after the conclusion of Star Trek Picard Season 2. You know, like the the setup novel for Discovery Season 3 didn't come out until a year after Season 3. And there have been all kinds of reasons for that related to COVID and supply chain and whatever the hell is going on with the Star Trek novels. But it's really cool that the kind of comics have gotten into a better, easier cadence in which you know that has become possible where they have a season two setup comic and it is taking place shortly we think before the premiere of season two certainly within the period of time in which season one has ended and before season two has started and that's really cool but yeah it will be fascinating to see what episode one of season two ends up being how much will it tie into the cliffhanger right i mean it's an episodic show so theoretically you know <laughs> they could just be like oh it's good to have you back number one can't believe all that stuff that happened but in some ways it feels like the audience probably wouldn't love that very much if since it was set up as a cliffhanger so yeah that's really interesting i guess we'll just have to see what happens and i think like to your point about the the approach of the well all that stuff happened i do recall and i i agree with it that there were some rumblings about how number one and rebecca romaine was were not used as well as they could have been or as yeah. often as they could have been and i think that that would just be one more disservice to the character because the way that the cliffhanger was set up at the end of season one like there, there's some implications that that we're going to see a lot more of her, that there's journey that's going to unfold there for her future. And if it gets kind of shafted off into the comics, like, oh, they dealt with it on the page, so we don't need to deal with it on screen. I think we're going to hear those rumblings come back and be a little bit louder. Like, this was such an interesting story, an interesting setup. Why did we not get to see it? Yeah, right. Like a great setup for a number one episode. If there's not a number one episode that comes right after that, then what are they doing? <laughs> exactly. Like, I couldn't have said it better. What What are they doing? And why Why even have the character? Right. If they're just going to be an accessory? Well, I, I my, my sense of the Strangely World's writer's room is they're smart enough not to do that. But hey, I mean, it, it has certainly given us an opportunity to talk about the upcoming season and talk about some great comics that have been released. Is this the, are you like a, are you a Star Trek comics person or is this you dabbling in? In, in that medium. This is definitely me dabbling. This is me being a Strange New Worlds person. Uh-huh. Yep. And and consuming everything that they're they're putting out. But I am enjoying it. Like it's it's well done. It's well written. Um the the second volume or, or issue uh, definitely ended on a very intriguing cliffhanger. So I won't say any more than that. Again, for those who who have not read it, but if you're waiting on your physical copy to to show up in the mail. You're in for a treat. Speaking of books that put, should have been published ages ago was set up to something that's long since passed. The Star Trek Strange New Worlds premiere novel, which was supposed to be a season one novel, is coming out in a few weeks. And I just got my review copy and I haven't opened it yet. But that's a very chunky book. I think people are going to, if you like Strange New Worlds and you like long reads, this one seems like it ticks both of those boxes. Ooh, I'll have to look at it. That's High Country, right? That yes. You're talking about? Yes. By John Jackson Miller. Well, now that, now that grad school is done, I can actually read for pleasure again. <laughs> I, I, like, like many folks, I, I only have a finite amount of brain cells that can be devoted to reading. And 
uh, grad school consumed all of them and then some. <laughs> so I actually, I, I got to read just this last weekend. I actually sat down and read a book for pleasure all day on last Sunday. And it was the first time I had done that in months. Well, you're much quicker off the block than I am. I think it took me about five years to read again after graduate school. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been looking forward to it. It was Stephen King's new book, Fairy Tale, and it was it was great. And it just was a lovely, lovely Sunday in front of the fire. But uh, but if uh, I'm, I'm definitely getting back into the mood for big, long reads and High Country looks like it's going to be a really good story from, from the blurbs that have been released. So I should add that to my list. All right, let me give you my theory, and it's just a real quick one, because it does relate to Star Trek Picard Season 3, and again, this is not commenting on the content of Season 3 itself, this is just sort of expanding on something I was... I, I, a path I started to walk down a little bit earlier, which is because of what Picard season three is, right? A reunion of the TNG cast. And given that TNG was one of the biggest shows on television when it went off air, I think that Picard season three is going to break into the public consciousness in a way that we've only seen Strange New World Season 1 do, really, before today. Right? Like, when Strange New World Season 1 was premiering last year, it felt different. It felt different in the sense that people were talking about that show who were not like you and me, who talk a lot about Star Trek and what we like about it and what we don't like about it. And, you know, we're in the tank for it and we'll watch everything. It kind of, you know, had that sort of deeper cultural penetration that went beyond just your sort of traditional genre, traditional Star Trek fan circles. And I really think that the decision to uh, show the trailer tonight during the football game, though I guess I just learned they cut down the trailer for the football game itself. It was only about 30 seconds, not the like two and a half minutes of the actual trailer. But still, 30 seconds in a football game when I'm sure the ad space is very expensive is no small thing. That, right, like... That, that's a sign of something maybe a bit bigger and cultural. And I really hope that, given we know there's going to be a very high degree of interest in Star Trek Picard Season 3, lots of people tweeting about it who've seen the screeners and what they think about it and their positive reaction to it. Hopefully, they're not the only ones who feel that way, that once it premieres on February the 16th, everybody else agrees that Star Trek Picard Season 3 is great, that you know, it's a good opportunity for us to take advantage of a moment in time and a moment of people's interest to kind of say, hey, remember Star Trek? Remember you liked The Next Generation? Maybe you'll like this Picard season three, and maybe you might then like some of these other shows. And I just think this is a really good opportunity for the franchise as a whole to capitalize on the interest of the public. Strange New Worlds manufactured its own. Picard season three is coming into it with a bit of a cachet, given the you know, sort of what it is and and who the actors are who are returning and the fact that it is something big and it feels quite special. And so I'm excited to see how we feel three months from now, once the season is over, about what the impact of Star Trek Picard season three will be on the franchise as a whole and its cultural place in the American and global consciousness. And that's my theory. It is interesting you say that because we've noted, I think, before that we don't know what is replacing Picard in the slot, in the lineup, right? Yep. Alex Kurtzman has said five shows in production is kind of the limit, but this is 
the final season of Picard. And so we don't know what's we don't know what's on deck next. Unless they announce one more in, in 10 weeks, I'm going to have to drop my there are five shows currently in production to there are four shows currently in production. Right. And and I think, you know, it, to kind of following along on your theory where they're they're really potentially teeing up this era and this this time in in the Star Trek timeline. I wonder if there's a couple of different things in development and the reason that we don't know what's replacing Picard is because that that question is still very much up in the air and the answer will be determined by the reaction to Picard. Yeah. Like I could I could see the studio having a couple of shows in development and saying it's either going to be show A or show B next and and show B is a continuation of of these stories, and we'll see what the interest is. That is such a great place to leave it on because it sort of comes back to that quote from Terry Metalis that we talked about earlier in the show. This season is very much a passing of the torch to the next generation, so it will really be up to the fans to decide if they want to see more. Star Trek has always been up to the fans. The fans brought back the original series characters into feature films and conventions and kept it alive. It will have to be the same here, so we'll see. Which I think is him saying exactly what you just said, right? That like... I think fan reaction to Picard season three is going to play a really important role in what comes next, which is not to say that if folks watch it and don't like it, that you should then be like, I love this, even if you didn't like it, right? Everybody's entitled to their own sort of individual reactions to the season. But I think if we like it, and if we decide we would like more of it, it's probably incumbent upon us to say that. And I would not be surprised to discover that part of the momentum that they are trying to create with all of the positive feedback that is currently being shared online by those who have been incredibly lucky and privileged and so grateful to have had that experience is not potentially part of that too. Well, we've seen firsthand the the power of the fans with getting Strange New Worlds. Exactly. Yep. We We demanded more Pike and we got it. We've still got it. We can still do this. <laughs> do you have a theory or a wish for Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, or Prodigy that you'd like to share? Tweet them to me at Weekly Trek or email them to me at Weekly Trek at the tricordertransmissions.com and I might feature your theory in a future episode. Well, that's all the time we've got for this episode of Weekly Trek. Thank you so much to my guest, Chris Vanderkamp, for joining me today. Chris, how can people contact you if they want to continue the conversation? I'm still on Twitter, so you can find me there still. We'll, we'll see how much longer, but it appears to stabilized a little bit, but I am on Twitter at Starfleet STGMGR. And you can find this show on Twitter at Weekly Trek and me at Alexander T. Perry. And if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And please check out some of the other great shows on the Tricorder Transmissions. And if you like our shows, please also consider becoming a Patreon of Tricorder, which you can find at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions. And lastly, if you're looking for Star Trek news on the internet, I hope you will turn to Trek Quarter. Com. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you to all of my listeners. And until next week, live long and prosper. 